0: Welcome to the Palace Perspective. The Palace Perspective is brought to you by Palace Capital Advisors, a comprehensive wealth management firm with locations in the Northeast specializing in financial and estate planning solutions, investment management strategies, and family office services for high net worth families across the country.
1: Welcome to the Palace Perspective, the podcast that brings you conversations and professional analysis on the topics and trends affecting your everyday financial life. I'm your host, James Landry, and I'm glad you chose to listen in today. To listeners out there, happy holidays to each of you and your families. It's hard to believe that we are once again at the end of the year. Today, we're going to talk about planning ideas during a high inflation, high interest rate, and high tax environment. And joining me once again to help me is Charlie Evangelakos, who is Managing Director and Chief Financial Officer of the Palace Capital Advisors, Registered Investment Advisor. Charlie, welcome back to the Palace Perspective.
2: Glad to be here, James. Thanks for having me. And by the way, congrats on all your success on the podcast this year.
1: Oh, thanks so much, Charlie. Yeah, good to hear. Appreciate it. Hey, Charlie, let's get right to it. No matter what the interest rate, inflation, or market environment is, planning can be done to capitalize on current conditions. Really, some taxes are voluntary, and good planning can minimize their impact on a family's wealth accumulation and transfer goals. So here we are sitting in November, middle of November 2022, Thanksgiving's in just a couple days. And as I look at the stock market, right, the S&P 500 index is down just over 70% as of close of last night. The NASDAQ is down nearly 30% for the year, year to date. So with markets down, What are some planning ideas that might make sense for people to
2: consider, especially maybe not just income tax planning, but estate tax planning? The market always creates opportunities. So one of the things to think about is triggering capital losses.
1: Why would I do that?
2: Well, God knows we have lots of people have lots of losses this year because you can carry those losses indefinitely into the future and offset capital gains. Okay. So there's an an offset for tax purposes. Sure. Makes sense. Take advantage of those. Uh, number one, two, we can delay closing capital gains transactions. If you're selling a business, selling a home, you may want to push it into next year.
1: What if I live in States like Massachusetts? We'll We'll, talk about that. We'll talk talk about about that. Yeah. Right. That's a whole other.
2: Yes. Uh, you may want to defer income. You may want to defer bonuses, Mm commissions, Um, and you may want to accelerate deductions. Very traditional, right?
1: So and not everyone has control about over timing of their income, but some people do. A lot of folks do. do.
2: Well, we all do. And we so... all have a mortgage, right? So maybe we'll make an extra mortgage payment and increase the interest deduction. Okay, there you go. So that's an that's option. That's a great right? idea. Um, charitable deductions. We, you, know, you want to get the charity, give it in 2022 so you can take the deduction this year versus right. next year. So
1: deferring income, accelerating deductions, right. accelerating anything that you can write off in 2022 for tax income tax purposes. Right. Those yeah. are basic. What about estate taxes?
2: Well, state tax that's a whole other area, and it's great opportunities now. Number one, for <laughs> gifting assets. You know, we can gift assets now at a significant discount to what they were early in the year. Give okay. you an example. Google, for instance, stock was selling at $150 per share, and now it's trading for $95. Why would I want to, to? Why
1: is a discount important to me when I'm talking about giving assets? So let's
2: think about this. Let's take an example. So we set up a trust for our children, and we want to fund it with some assets, to transfer assets to the next generation. So what do we do? We want to fund it with assets. So let's assume we gift, an example, $1 million. And a year. Nice uh, gift. Nice gift. Early in the year, if you wanted to Google, you could only gift so many shares of Google because it was $150 a share. Oh. Now you're gifting it at $95 a share so you can get more shares out. And assuming that the stock market comes back, all that appreciation that would be gifted to the next generation out of your estate.
1: Uh, okay, great. So the lower the value of the asset. The more of it I can give without burning through all of my lifetime gift exemption. You got it. All right. Great. You got it. By the way, listeners, this is not a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold Google. <laughs> that was just an example. Or yeah. right, what else besides gifting assets? Well, we could sell assets. Okay. Gifs. So
2: now, another aspect of it, let's assume we sell an asset to, our, to someone Google. Let's use Google again since we're on that theme right now. We sell Google to somebody for $95 a share, and mm-hmm. in return, they give you a promissory note, an interest rate. Who gives me that? The, the buyer, the, oh, the, the buyer. person who okay. transfer the shares. Okay, yeah. And then they, they now have to pay you an interest rate of roughly 4%. Hmm. Let's assume Google appreciates in value of 50% and it goes up to its original $150. Hmm. Think about that positive, what they call arbitrage, right? The appreciation, the hurdle rate is only 4%. So anything that appreciates over 4% transfers outside your estate.
1: All right. So in, in most estate planning, instead of gifting to a friend, I would gift to a trust for the benefit of maybe a family member... And that trustee would give me an IOU note, a promissory note back. Correct. And all that growth happens out of my estate. What stays in my estate is just the original value of the asset, which is the note value. Yes. Right. Yes. And so obviously the lower the value, the better. So gifting, selling, lending, right? Yep. Okay. And then there's one other strategy yep. that doesn't really have to do with the value of the price of securities, but what about swapping assets? We should just talk about that really we quick. We
2: are, but let me go back to the, this one point I wanted to make. You made a <clears throat> great point there is that- I, wanna, I make it's, a lot of great it's points. Called the state, you want to freeze the value, right? So when yep. you sell something to an asset, to a trust, you're freezing the value, at the current value. And right. you want to get the appreciation out. So right. The lower the right. value of that asset, whether it's real estate, whether it's stocks, whether whatever it may be, you want to gift it or sell it at the lowest possible right. value. And yep. we we're in the market now, we take advantage of that.
1: Right. Yeah. So I've heard of people actually, you know, hiring valuation firms to, to, to do expensive analysis to come up with a valuation discount on an LLC or an F- FLP, you know, a limited liability company or family limited partnership. Really, the market's already built in that discount already. Maybe we don't need to go through that trouble.
2: Well, you can if you want to get a double discount. Uh Get the market discount and the minority discount. So So
1: what's this thing about swapping assets? It's
2: it's a little more complicated, but swapping assets, let let me give you an example. Let's assume we have you can have your cake and eat it too, is what I call it, swapping assets. Mm. So we all know about these traditional estate planning strategies. You set up an irrevocable trust and you gift assets into that trust. And that trust appreciates, and you could have these mature trusts that have been around for 10 or 15 years and have gotten much appreciation. Now, the heirs will inherit that, that appreciation and will pay mm-hmm. capital gains tax you know, upon the demise of the parents. So, so I'm using a family structure here. Swapping assets allows you, to, if you are the grantor, the person that set up the trust and the trust, to exchange assets income tax-free. All
1: right. So if it's a grantor trust, the grantor can exchange assets of right. same value. So, that, so the interplay is why would you want to exchange an asset? Because you, you have a cost basis in one that is really low and you want to bring that low-cost basis back into your estate so that when you die, you could get an adjustment up or step up in cost basis for that asset?
2: Yes. Again, okay. you, my simple my explanation, of have your cake and eat it too, is that you get the appreciation out of the estate using the estate the irrevocable trust. However, you could take those appreciated assets from the trust, bring them back into your estate, transfer them for cash, which you could uh-huh. reinvest in the trust, and then when the grantor dies you get a step up in cost-based okay so, under
1: current law so zero well, capital gains tax, yeah zero state tax. so this is fascinating because we started out you started talking about income tax savings strategies then you start you talk to i uh, switched to estate tax strategies. Right. now you're talking about a strategy that employs both the income and the estate tax systems yes for savings well that's great
2: it goes back to the original yeah. comment market creates great opportunities whether right. the market's up or down
1: Let's switch gears. Okay. Interest rates. We talked about the market's been down. Interest rates are high, right? If you've needed to borrow money recently, you realize, wow, it costs twice as much to borrow today than it did 12 months ago in general. So interest rates are high. Normally, when we're doing estate planning, low interest rate environment is really attractive for estate planning. But there are some strategies where high interest rates actually are more appealing. Uh, for those strategies. So what would those be?
2: Not many, but there are a few. The one that comes to mind is a qualified personal residence trust.
1: Ah, affectionately known as a QPRT. QPRT, yes. Yeah.
2: So that is a that is a strategy where an individual will set up a trust, Yeah, they would gift their home into that trust, have the right to live there for a specific number of years. Mm-hmm. At the end of that term, that home transfers to their heirs, estate tax-free. Okay, yeah. Okay, the trick around it, the benefit of it is that because the heirs have to wait a specific amount of years, Mm -hmm. they discount the value of the gift. Okay. Yep. Let's use an example. Take a million dollar gift and a million dollar home, you transfer it into a qualified personal residence trust, also known as a QPERT. You get the right to live there for 10 years. At the end of 10 years, the house could double in value worth 2 million. And then it transfers to the heirs to stay tax-free, $2 million has just been transferred out of your estate for a hypothetical gift of $400,000 because that's the present value of that.
1: Okay. So said another way, simplistically, if I give you a hundred dollars and I say, well, but you can't use it for 20 years, the IRS says, well, that's not really a hundred dollar gift. We're going to have to discount that value because he can't use it for 20 years.
2: And let's think about that. Inflation kicks in, right? Right. So the higher the inflation, the less the value.
1: So, and, um, with interest rates, right? Just when you're trying to present value a uh, gift of future interest, you know, I give you that $100, I I can use an interest rate to present value discount that gift. The higher the rate, the lower the value of the present gift. Right. So in a higher rate interest rate environment, the IRS publishes these rates. They track the federal interest rates that are published. In this case, it's called the 7520 rate. Right. And the higher the rate, the lower the gift, the more I can give away.
2: Correct. You got it, James.
1: Okay, Charlie, so we talked about the QPRIT. Let's talk about another strategy that people might find appealing during a high interest rate environment. What would that be?
2: I, Charlie, Charlemander I Annuity Trust comes to mind.
1: Okay, a CRAT. A CRAT, right. yes. So talk to what, what is that, uh, what is that and, and how is it influenced by high interest rates?
2: A CRAT is a vehicle, a trust actually, where an individual can transfer appreciated assets, namely stocks or real estate, Uh, receive an income tax deduction, and in return, get an income for a specific amount of years, in many cases, even a lifetime. And during that, there's a remainder interest that there's a charitable contribution, and there's a deduction that's calculated from the transaction.
1: Yeah, and the IRS, like anything, they have a very specific set of rules as to who can take a deduction, right? And so they require with these charitable remainder annuity trusts that there has to be at least a minimum amount left over for the charity before the IRS says, "Okay, donor, you can take a deduction," right?
2: Correct. If I put a million dollars into a trust and I draw twenty percent, and I drain all of it, charity gets nothing. Right. I mean, the big income tax deduction. Right. So the IRS gets a little smarter.
1: Yeah, that. yeah. So, so the higher the interest rate, the higher that the amount of the remainder will be for charity. So, right. the more likely that this instrument called a CRAT will actually qualify. And become deductible to the donor when he makes or she makes a contribution. Right.
2: And the higher the interest rate, typically the higher the deduction for a charity. Right. It's great for the donor.
1: Right. Okay. So two strategies, um, not as commonly used because, you know, we've been in a low interest rate environment for a long time. Right. Um, And now it's just the opposite. So individuals that are concerned about estate tax transfers, also income tax planning, there's two ideas, cuprit and a Crat. Qualified Personal Residence Trust, and a Charitable Remainder Annuity Trust. Well, we've talked about high interest rates, we talked about the market, let's switch now to inflation. As we enter the winter season, Charlie, energy prices are still sky high right? Yes. And so nearly everything in the world of finance is impacted by inflation. Isn't that fair to say? Yes. Yeah. Agreed. So, but sometimes that's not a bad thing. It can be a good thing because there's a silver lining on the inflation and that's over several areas. So maybe talk to us a little bit about some of the good news around inflation.
2: Good news. Number one is you can get some money in your money market account right at the bank. So that's good news. But aside from that, from an estate planning standpoint, there's certain things that change next. Number one, is Social Security is going to go up by 8.7 percent increase next year. Okay. Significant that, that simply applies. So to if I'm
1: a retiree earning Social Security, that's
2: actually and that's nice. Applies to over 70 million Americans. Of
1: course, my milk went up by 8 percent too.
2: That's true. But anyway, just think of the cost of Social Security for the government compounding 8.7 yeah. percent over the next you know 50 years. Let's not talk about that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Minute, well, hopefully but, that's offset by what they're earning on their portfolio. But
2: from an estate planning standpoint, you know, we allow the gift. There's a thing called an annual exclusion gift. You're allowed okay. to gift. Certain amount of money to each individual each and every year. So you use okay. it or lose it gift. So this year it's sixteen thousand because of the increase in inflation, it is going to increase to seventeen thousand dollars.
1: Okay. Per okay. Year. Well, that's that's significant. Yeah. Yeah. Sure
2: there's many people on this the listing here that, that is familiar with that. Secondly, is with there's a thing called the unified credit. That's what an individual is allowed to gift to their heirs during their lifetime and avoid paying cap of federal state income tax.
1: So the lifetime gift exemption went from.
2: Uh, roughly 12 point, a little over 12 million dollars, 12.06 $12. Yeah. million. Yep. It's going to rise to 12.9 million dollars.
1: 12 million 920, yeah. So, for, for an individual, yeah, almost a million dollars per individual of additional lifetime gifting capacity.
2: Right. And for right. a couple, that's nearly 26 million dollars.
1: Right. So, if I'm a married couple and I have the ability, and we're talking about 1% of 1% of the population here, I grant you, but if I have the ability to gift another 2 million dollars, Take that as the rule seventy-two. In at seven percent rate of return, that thing compounds to four million in ten years, eight million in twenty years, and so on for my beneficiaries and their children. Yes. So it's it's real uh, opportunity.
2: Yes. Sure. Correct. Um, marginal income tax rates are going to increase across the board, both for individuals and married couples. And that's, that's, that's important
1: important because, you know, if you think about tax brackets, right, if my, let's say I'm in a 35% bracket, if I just have another $30,000 of income before I would jump to that 37,000, 37% top bracket, that's $30,000 of additional room I have to earn money before I jump a bracket. So maybe, maybe if my earnings don't go up another 30,000, I could do a Roth conversion, Roth IRA conversion in this year without jumping a bracket. Right. And fast forward over 20 years, how much value is that to my you know family members? It's significant.
2: Yeah, and talk to your tax advisor. You know, you're trying to lower your adjusted gross income to get to a lower bracket. Right. So now the brackets have just increased that substantially higher. Right. That gives you the opportunity to hopefully hit a lower tax bracket. Yeah,
1: just for example, the top 35% bracket is... Uh, 35 for 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 incomes that are not over 462,500. Last year, that number was like 430,000 yeah. and change. So it's 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 about a 30,000 dollar difference for married filing joint. Yeah. So it's significant.
2: So other things that are, come to mind is standard deductions are increased substantially. You know, the the uh, standard deduction for couples is going up to 27,700. Wow. $1,800 increase. Yeah,
1: so a few and fewer people are now going to be itemizing yeah. because yeah. they're just going to fall yeah. underneath that
2: standard deduction
1: cap. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, all this whole inflation is everything is going to be raising exponentially. Right.
1: right. right. So, right. a rising tide brings abolishments. Brings, up all the brings ships.
2: Up a lot more opportunities yeah. for gifting and tax deductions into the future. So. All right. So, we
1: sit here in Massachusetts today, right? You and me. Yes. Right. You're a resident of Massachusetts. I'm not. But it, earlier this month, in uh, on November 8th, the Massachusetts fair share, sometimes we heard this as the millionaire's tax was passed into law, which means that for Massachusetts wage earners or income taxpayers, we'll call them that, for income over a million dollars, that income is going to be subject to an additional tax of 4%. So they're already paying 5% on their income. Anything over a million is going to be another 4%. So for that amount, over a million could be 9%.
2: State income tax. It's not just so. income tax, though. It's any kind of capital. Gains. All right. They'll so there you go. There's the business. rub. There's the rub. Right. Yeah. So it's, it doesn't just apply to the so-called millionaires. It applies to just a lot of people. Right.
1: In right. So, things. for example, uh, mom and pop, they've lived in Massachusetts forever. They bought their house back in the 80s. And for 400000 today, it's worth $2 million. Not unheard of in Massachusetts, by the way. Not at all. They need to sell their house because they're maybe they're moving into a retirement f- facility or something like that. Right. Maybe they're moving out of state. They sell that house, capital gain, even after the $500,000 exemption, is going to most likely put them above Massachusetts yes. Millionaire's tax threshold. So yes. um, yeah, it could be painful. So what are some things that people... By the way, not just Massachusetts, there are other states. And I know we have listeners all across the country that right. are they're listening to say, well, I don't live in Massachusetts. Good thing. But look... If I'm in states where there's high income tax burden, California, Maryland, New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts now, what are some things that those people will be thinking about?
2: Well, first of all, you want to think about spreading out. If, you sell, if you're selling something, an asset, you want to, maybe want to spread out your gains over a number of years in the form of installments rather than taking all your income in one year. That's okay. a common strategy. Yeah. If, yeah. You're, if you're capable of doing that. So on installment sale installment basis, sales yeah. are important. You want to maybe accelerate income in two thousand twenty-two versus two thousand twenty-two, yeah, right? Because it's not effective until yeah. twenty twenty-three. And right, if, if right. you recall, early in this podcast, we talked about deferring the income to two thousand twenty-three.
1: Oh, so you're going trying, back. You're
2: you're walking yeah. that back. So we're not trying to accuse yeah. our listeners. Uh, here, okay. There's a fine balance here now in right. Massachusetts, where you really have to run. You Got to sharpen the pencil. Oh, sharpen the pencil. Talk yeah. to your tax consultant, figure right. out whether it makes sense to take gains this year or next year. Right. So that's a common strategy. Uh, getting back to the harvesting. Or taking uh, uh, losses this year, tax loss harvesting, any any losses that you have in your investment portfolio, other assets. If I
1: can't use them this year, I can carry them forward next year.
2: Those are carried indefinitely, you can carry them forward. Okay. So very beneficial. So the charitable deductions are really important. You know, we all give to charity at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. So... We may want to gift, uh, you know, uh, hold off some of those until next year if we're, okay. if we're making if we're going to have a, a significant tax year over a million dollars.
1: Have you heard of this thing called bunching deductions?
2: No, I was going to ask you about that. You've you've coined that phrase. So well,
1: I'd it? like to say I coined the phrase, but I can't say I, I originated that one. So the bunching of deductions really came about back in 2017 when then President Trump signed the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, and he took the the standard deduction and, and basically doubled it. So now all of a sudden, 90% of the population was not going to itemize their charitable deductions. They were all going to fall underneath the standard deduction. You just said a moment ago, it's in 2023 going to go up to 28000 mm-hmm. So, you know, even if I give to charity, I'd have to give quite a bit to charity before I went above the standard deduction and could take advantage of itemizing for reducing my income taxes. Right. So if I want a bunch of deductions, that is, you know what, I normally give to charity. I feel like I can give more in any one year. Maybe I use something like a donor advice fund. And by the way... We talked about this in our last planning uh, podcast. Uh, I believe my guest at the time was Shannon Smith. We talked about bunching deductions into a donor advised fund where I can get the income tax write-off in one year. Maybe now I can itemize, take advantage of the lowered income taxes, but then I can spread the distributions out to charity as I see fit because I advise that donor advised fund. So, yeah, a lot of people looking at the donor advised fund as a way or tool to use in combination with the bunching of deductions, knowing now that the standard deduction is so high I've got to figure out what makes most sense for me from a tax standpoint.
2: Right. If we have lists that give to charity, donor advised funds are one of the most flexible right. tools out there if you're right. terribly uh, inclined, right? So you can control your your deductions you can control your taxes yeah and you can spread your um this you know charitable donations over a period of time and this one thing also about donor advice funds you're not required to make distributions unlike a foundation right that's right so you really can a, control it's, that it's that's a, that's a tax loophole that congress has been looking at for a long time but at this current, right at this moment in time You are not required to make distributions to charity.
1: Well, that'll do it for this round. Charlie, thanks so much. And listeners can read more about this topic in the Palace Capital Advisors November 2022 Financial Planning Newsletter, which can be found on our website, palacecapitaladvisors.com. That's P-A-L-L-A-S, capitaladvisors.com. Charlie, thanks again so much for sharing some of your insights uh, with us today and I really look forward to having you back again soon. Thanks, James. I can't wait. Looking forward to it. And listener, as always, if you would like to discuss your personal financial planning, reach out to us through our website, palacecapitaladvisors.com. Of course, everything on this podcast is general in nature and not to be construed as personal advice, but we would be delighted to discuss how this important topic could potentially impact you and your financial objectives. To all of our listeners, we wish you the very best this holiday season. We look forward to connecting you with the next time on the Palace Perspectives podcast.
0: Palace Capital Advisors, LLC, and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You should consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances. These materials are provided for general informational and educational purposes. Based on publicly available information from sources believed to be reliable, PCA cannot assure the accuracy or completeness of these materials. The information in these materials may change at any time and without notice. The information contained herein is for informational purposes only, is not personalized investment advice, and should not be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any particular security sector or strategy to any individual person or entity. Investment advice is offered through Palace Capital Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor.